Well, shalom and God bless you. Welcome to Fruit of the Vine Ministries. My name is John Davison. Listen, for the last couple of years now, we've been on a journey. I've been pressing in in my faith, prayer, fasting, studying the word diligently, asking Father. Jesus said, listen, we have not, we have not, get this now, because we ask not. Scripture tells us that we're destroyed for a lack of understanding and knowledge. And Ephesians tells us that we are supposed to know, we are supposed to be sure of our Father's good, perfect, and pleasing will. Get this now. We are supposed to know the will of the Father. And it says that we are to stand in faith. It says that we're saved by grace through faith. And Romans 5.2 tells us that we can access grace, God's supernatural power, His supernatural ability, His supernatural strengthening as we stand in faith. In fact, the Bible tells us that anything not done in faith is sin. Get this now. Read the scripture. Anything not done in faith is sin. And so everything comes back to faith. It's not by works, lest any man should boast. And so that tells me that it, without faith, as scripture says, it is impossible, get this now, impossible to please God. And it even tells us in scripture that Jesus, hear me out, Jesus is the author and he is the perfecter of our faith, which tells me that our faith, once we're saved, still goes through a process, a growing process of being perfected. It's We're growing in grace. We're growing in love. And listen, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians. He said, these things remain faith, hope, and love. Anything that tears down faith or gets us to put down the shield of faith, as Ephesians tells us, to take up the shield of faith with which we can quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. Anything that removes someone's hope, okay, so the hope that they have in Christ, whichever, whatever hope that may be through the Word of God, whatever removes that hope, and whatever keeps us from growing in being love, becoming love, living out a lifestyle that is love. Ephesians 5.1 tells us that we are to be ye therefore imitators, get this, imitators of the Father. And it says that God is love. In Him is no darkness. He doesn't change. In Him is all light and love and knowledge and mercy. And so there's a scripture here that says this in the book of John. It says, John 21 and verse 24. This is the disciple who testifies about these things and who wrote these things. We know that his testimony is true. There are also many other things which Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that not even the world itself would contain the books that would be written. Jesus did many other things that the Gospels do not record. However, the Gospels do record a lot of what Jesus did do and emphasize a lot of things that Jesus did. In other words, if you look at Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1, it actually makes this statement 
it says that Jesus is, and I want to read this to you verbatim, Jesus is the express image of the Father. Check this out. God, who at various times and in diverse ways, in many different ways, spoke long ago to the fathers through the prophets. In these last days, listen now, in these last days, he has spoken, he has revealed himself and his will to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the whole world. He, Jesus, is the brightness, the, the image of his glory, the brightness of Father's glory. And Jesus is the express image of the Father and upholds all things by the word of his power. Listen now. Jesus is the express image of the Father. Here's what that tells me as as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ. Number one, my faith needs to be perfected. Example, Paul talks about certain people eating meat and certain people only eating vegetables. And he says in the Word of God, now listen here, hear me clearly, this is the Word of God. It says that some only eat vegetables because their faith is weak. Whoa! That's what the Bible says. Look up the verse. Look up the verse. They only eat vegetables. Listen, this is Paul writing to the church. They only eat vegetables because their faith is weak. Which tells me even once we get saved as a believer, we can still be weak in faith in certain areas. And Father wants us to cultivate. He wants to petri dish and expand and grow our faith to a level of faithfulness. Galatians 5, 23 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It says that one of the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. In other words, full of faith. How many times have you stepped out knowing that the Holy Spirit was guiding you? You knew the Holy Spirit was speaking to you ever so clearly, and it gave you boldness. It gave you faith to step out and do what the Holy Spirit was calling you to do. And because you did that, you saw everything unfold exactly how God said it was going to happen. Street outreach, sowing seed, uh, you know, laying hands on someone, giving a word of knowledge, uh, speaking to that family member where you just felt like, man, God's just tugged, and I just feel like I'm supposed to talk to this person. And they received it well, and you stepped out in faith and just said, man, I just know that God was pulling on me. And your experience backs up what God told you to do. So here's where we get this thing backwards. We take an experience, right? We take an experience and then we try to back up that experience with the Word of God. But what Scripture does is it takes Jesus, get this now, it takes Jesus as the example and the express image of the Father to show us the way, the truth, and the life. And so at the end of the day, we have to ask ourselves, is, is it's sort of like the old thing, of, of what would Jesus do? Well, what did Jesus do? Let's look at it that way. So an example would be, uh, let's look at, let's look at John chapter five for a moment. Okay. Because I hear this a lot concerning healing. And I, I just want to address this scripture for you because it's a very common argument. And I want to break this down. Every person, get this now, everyone who came to Jesus. 
Scripture says that all who came to him, right, were healed. So everyone that came to him asking for healing, he healed. But what do you do with John chapter 5 at the healing of the pool? The argument is, well, Jesus only healed one man at the pool. Sure, it does show and it does seem to imply that Jesus only healed one man. But does it say that he only wanted to heal one man? Or is that what we're reading into the text? Example. Let's start in chapter 5, verse 14. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See that you have, see you have become whole. Sin no more, lest something worse should happen to you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. It says, listen, so the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him. So here's, here's the context. The man's healed. He's in the temple. And Jesus has people that want to kill him. Well, what happens before the man gets, before the man goes through the temple? Look at verse 11. He answered them. Uh, excuse me. It says uh, in verse 8, Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed. Immediately the man was healed, took up his bed and walked. That day was a Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him, that said to him, the Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is a Sabbath day. It is not lawful for you to carry your mat. He answered them. He who healed me said to take up your bed and walk. So they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Listen to this. Now the man who had been healed did not know it was Jesus because Jesus had withdrawn himself because there was such a crowd in that place. Hold on a minute. What is the context of what's taking place here? Did Jesus really only heal one man because that's all he wanted to do? Does it say that he said, listen, I want to heal all these people, but it wasn't God's divine will or God's divine plan for me to bring healing to these people? Or was it this? Was it that they were looking for, as the rest of the scriptures tell us, they were looking for a king, right? That they could, they could, they could make king by force. How many times does it tell us that scripture says they tried to take Jesus, the crowds tried to take Jesus by force after they saw him perform a miracle? And so in this case, Jesus heals someone at the pool where all the sick people hung out. And because of that, it says that there was such a, such a large crowd that Jesus himself had to walk away. And he wasn't able, get this now, to do the things he wanted to do because of the crowd. Now because of this crowd, he was unable to continue to minister. And then the Jews wanted to kill him. Again, they wanted to kill him. So, what about all these other instances where maybe Jesus could have, should have, or maybe might have, or wanted to heal somebody? What about the instance with the disciples? For example, in Matthew chapter 17, here's the boy, he's an epileptic. The boy's an epileptic. Now, Jesus had just sent out the 70 with the disciples. They had healed the sick, raised the dead, cleansed the leper, cast out demons. They come back rejoicing, and Jesus says to them, Listen, don't rejoice because the demons submit to you. Rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Because your name, listen, because you are saved, sozoed, healed, delivered, 
And get this now. He says, right after this, the epileptic, the man with the epileptic boy comes to him. He says, listen, in verse 14 of Matthew 17, when they came to the crowd, a man came to Jesus and knelt before him saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. Listen to this. I brought him to your disciples, your followers, but they could not heal him. So here's the disciples. They experience signs, wonders, healings, and miracles, right? They come back with this attitude of, wow, everything submits to us. Look at this. Yay. Hooray. And they couldn't heal this guy. But what does Jesus do? Listen to what Jesus does. This is what Jesus doesn't make this. Listen to what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, well, the reason why they couldn't heal you is because God was working something in your life. He's trying to make you dependent upon him, right? And so, therefore, God allows, is allowing your son to have seizures so that you'll just trust in God through this hard time. Jesus never, ever, ever makes any type of a claim like that. Now, if Jesus is the express image of the Father... And we're supposed to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And Jesus is the example. If Jesus is the way, if Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life, right? And no one comes to the Father but by Him. We have to look at what Jesus said in these situations and then examine ourselves and examine our own theologies based off of what the Word of God says. So listen now. I brought Him to your disciples, but they could not heal Him. And Jesus answered him, O faithless and twisted thinking, gender perverse. The word perverse means twisted thinking. It means that you're not thinking correctly. Twisted thinking generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Bring him to me, Jesus says. It says, Jesus rebuked the demon... And he came out of him, and the child was healed instantly. So wait a minute. If I'm a follower of Jesus, and you're a follower of Jesus, and somebody comes to us and we can't heal them, we have to ask ourselves, if Jesus walked in this situation right now and was standing in front of this person, if Jesus touched them, would they be healed? And then look at ourselves and go, wait a minute. How come when I touched them, they weren't healed as a follower of Jesus Christ? Especially if these signs will follow those who believe. Verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast him out? That's a really awesome question. Why do we not see healing signs, miracles, wonders? Why, Father, why, Jesus, do we not see these things in our own personal walk? Jesus answers them in verse 20. And Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For truly I say to you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. The word in Greek for nothing means absolutely nothing. Nothing will be impossible for you. With the right faith, with the proper faithfulness, with the correct understanding, perverse 
thinking must be removed. It says that you're supposed to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Obedience of Christ. Not obedience of your experiences, your previous theologies, your feelings, or how this makes your chest pound. You just go, but I have faith. Listen, Jesus said, if you say to this mountain, move and be tossed into the sea, without doubting, it'll move. So what is the evidence of faith? The evidence of faith is the mountain moving. Would you say that seeing a boy with your very eyes in an epileptic seizure would be a mountain that you would look at and go, what do I do now? Because nothing's happening and I'm praying. Is that faith? Or is faith, as Hebrews tells us in 11.1, the substance of what is hoped for, the evidence of things not seen? Are we really in faith? Are we really pressing into God? Listen, Jesus said to the disciples, the twelve, the ones who were closest to him, walked with him for three and a half years, who saw signs, wonders, and miracles, whom Jesus sent out, and they they healed people. He said, because of your unbelief. Listen, that's what Jesus said. Can we humble ourselves and really look at ourselves and go, Father, I don't know what is in me. I don't know what desires, personal desires I have in my life. I don't know what fear stops me from touching that person in love and mercy. I don't know what keeps me from laying hands on the sick. Listen, Hebrews tells us very plainly what the elementary truths of the gospel is. And one of those things is the doctrine of the laying on of hands. James 5, 14 and 15 says that it's the prayer in faith that heals the sick person. Is any among you sick? Let them call the elders. Who is an elder? That word in the Greek means a mature believer who understands and has a proper mindset and thinking and theology about who Christ is and who they are and a proper identity in Jesus. Let them anoint them with oil and the prayer in faith, will heal the sick person. There's no contingency there. It doesn't say, unless God sovereignly wanted them to be sick, and God's trying to train them something, then you won't be able to heal them. What about Paul's thorn in the flesh? I have a video on that, that I've, that I've put and I've uploaded on this YouTube channel. And, and if you're listening to the audio of this, listen, you can get on it. It's, it's, it's Dan Muller, Paul's thorn in the flesh where it explains how in Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh, how in, verse, how in chapter 11, Paul lists all his weaknesses, and, and how Greek is contextual, and how that word affliction he uses in chapter 11. And he says, I've been afflicted, I've, I've been whipped, I've been beaten, I've been shipwrecked, I've been hungry, I've been without food, all these things. And he never, in chapter 11, never once mentions sickness. What about when the snake bit him? The, the, the viper bit him? He didn't get sick. He did not get sick. They were amazed. They were amazed and perplexed that the viper bit him and he shook it off. And he didn't get sick. 
So is God now going to strike his people with a plague when they're walking in holiness and faith and right standing in Christ? Now, I'm not talking about the law of sin and death. Listen, there is a law of sin and death. What about Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts? Someone brought that up to me. What about Ananias and Sapphira? Well, this is very clear. It says that people were selling their belongings, bringing to them disciples, and everybody who had need got what they needed. Ananias and Sapphira, they, they, they decided to, to, to sell their house to boast as to what they did. They kept back some of the money for themselves, and they lied to the Holy Spirit. Listen, is lying a sin in the New Testament? Yes which means they were walking in sin. Amen? Galatians tells us that if we walk in the Spirit, right, then, the, then, then we're free from the law of sin and death. But if we're in sin, the law of sin and death has the opportunity to come in, and it says that they were struck down and they died. There's a law of sin and death. And when you're walking in disobedience to the Father, these types of things can come. Now, there's also the enemy who just kills, steals, and destroys. Sometimes it's not even a sin thing. Sometimes it's not even you're in sin. Sometimes it's just the enemy coming in to hammer on somebody and nail someone to see if you really believe what you say you believe. He comes in and God said he will not let you be tested beyond what you can bear, but he will provide a way out. What does that mean? It means that you'll be tested in what you believe and what you say you believe. The enemy will come in and test and say, see God, look, they really don't believe your word. What did he say to Adam and Eve? Hath God said, brothers and sisters, hath God said, these signs shall follow those who believe. I understand that this can be a sensitive topic for some people. I understand that some people can take a spirit of offense. But listen, if Ephesians 4.2 is correct that we're supposed to walk humbly before our God, right? And that we are not, listen, in Job, when Job was struck, it says that, Satan was the one that struck Job, not God. And it says in Job chapter 1, verse 20 to 22, it says, Job did not sin by accusing God of wrongdoing. He never once blamed God for the things that came on him. And his people, his friends, for 30 chapters, tried to say, Job, you did this. Job, you did that. Job, you're in sin. Job, you're this. Job, you're that. And Job's like, look, I didn't do anything. And in the end, because Job stood in faith and did not blame God, even in the midst of the enemy coming in, Job still believed God's goodness and mercy and love. Job ended up being the one praying for his very friends who had a wrong theology about the Father, who said, listen, God's brought this upon you because of this, 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 and this. And Job said, absolutely not. And God said, Job never charged me with wrongdoing. Listen, I just want you to be humble with me. I'm on a journey I'm experiencing things that, that the Word of God says we can do. Listen, I've, I've been laying hands on people. I watched a man get healed of a broken leg. I, I'm, I'm watching these. I'm stepping out in faith. I've been street evangelizing. I've been going out and watching God sow seeds. I've been watching people come into Christ. We're about to do an outreach on the streets here again in just a couple of weeks. Listen, these signs will follow those who believe. I want to leave you with one more verse because I know that some of you, some of you won't hear this. But listen, 
are we going to base things off of how we feel or are we going to look at Jesus because Jesus is the example. Jesus came that we would have life and have it more abundantly. But listen to the book of Acts. You said, well, that was Jesus. Understand. But listen to this. Acts chapter 5 and verse 13. Verse 14. Believers were increasing and added to the Lord. Crowds of both men and women. So that they even brought the sick out in the streets and placed them on beds and mats. Listen, what's happening? Believers are placing people on the streets for healing. That at least the shadow of Peter passing by might touch some of them. Listen, crowds, verse 16, crowds also came out of the city surrounding Jerusalem. Crowds now, get this, crowds were bringing people out to the believers, bringing the sick and those who were afflicted by evil spirits. Check this out. And they were all healed. All healed. Why do we point at Paul's thorn in the flesh to make excuses when Paul's not the revelation of the heart of the Father? Jesus is. I'm not saying dismiss Paul's experience or Paul's examples or dismiss the New Testament in a whole. That's not what I mean. But Paul was the one who said, it is not as no, not as though I have attained, right? He said, listen, it's not like I've been perfected. It's not that I've, I've seen everything yet. I'm still, I'm still running this race. I'm still keeping, what did he say? The faith. In other words, no matter what I see, I feel, I experience, or my life circumstances, I'm going to look at Jesus I'm going to see what Jesus did. I'm going to see who Jesus is as the express image of the Father. And I'm going to go after that, no matter what I see, hear, feel, or experience. Because, listen now, we walk by faith and not by sight. That means we cannot live sensually. We as believers cannot afford to live based off of feelings, emotions, or experiences. Because even Satan himself appears, get this now, eyes, see, hear, experience, he appears as an angel of light to deceive many. Which tells me that a lot of people are going to have experiences that seem like God when Jesus is the revelation. And that's where we get our theology from. Jesus Christ is perfect theology. I'm not a follower of Paul. I'm not a follower of Job. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Paul is an example of following Jesus. And Paul said, listen, follow me as I follow Christ. So wherever Paul wasn't following Christ, we don't follow him there. (laughs) Get it? And there were failures. There were things that were done wrong. And we see these things. But we don't see them in Jesus. And that's where we're supposed to keep our eyes fixed on. Listen, I hope you can be humble with me. I hope you'll take this journey with me. I hope that you'll get in prayer and fasting. Crucify the flesh. Fasting is not so that God can hear you better. Isaiah 58 makes it very clear. Fasting is so that we can hear Him better. 
so we can experience Him more, so that we can have more of God in us, and so that we can literally go from glory to glory. Listen, we wouldn't have the scripture that says we go from glory to glory if we weren't moving and growing in grace and faith. In other words, where you're at right now is one level. Jesus is the image of the Father, and He said, you'll be in me as I am in the Father. And He said, the things that I did, you will do greater. And I'm going to go with Jesus, that He didn't lie to me. And I'm going to humble myself before my God and say, Father, I look at Jesus. I look at me. I look at Jesus. I look at me. And I want to be just like that. And you said, Jesus said it was good that he goes because he's going to send the Holy Spirit who will guide us and teach us into all truths. He will disciple us in all truths. So we must follow Jesus. We must follow Jesus and not live sensually. We can't afford to dumb the gospel down to our experiences, our feelings, our emotions, and what we see and hear. It has to be founded in Jesus and what Jesus is and who Jesus is. Jesus is my Savior. Not Job. Not Paul. Paul's writings are important. But what Paul experienced, what Paul went through, was by somebody, listen now, he said, because of my Great revelations. If we're going to use Paul's thorn in the flesh, hear me out real quick. If we're going to use Paul's thorn in the flesh to say that we have sickness, then we better at this point have founded as many churches as Paul founded. We better have revelations like Paul had. Because it's said that the thorn in the flesh was there to keep him humble because of his great revelation. And we say, that we have thorn of sickness when we don't even yet have half the revelation and walk in half the power and half the authority that the Apostle Paul walked in. I hope you're hearing me clearly here. I'm on a journey after Jesus and I want you to be strengthened and encouraged. I'm speaking very slowly, very plainly, and very clearly. Will you walk with me? Holy Spirit, I just thank you right now that you are building your church on the truth of Jesus, that you're removing false theologies, things that have kept us in bondage for years, things that the enemy has crept into the church that have kept us from walking in authority and power. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're in us and you want to walk and live through us, that you, the manifold, the manifest wisdom of God is being made known through the church, and we are the body of Christ on earth. And therefore, if we touch people, it should be just like as if Jesus touched people. We are the body. This is my hand. And, and if I'm the body and, G- and I'm the hand and I touch and I'm, G- and I'm Jesus, Lord, that you, Father, you, Father, will touch them and they'll get none of me and they'll get all of you. And that is my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me. And that's my prayer for the church in this hour, in this broken time. The church needs to manifest Christ. We need a less theologies and more revelation and more of our eyes fixed on the example of Jesus Christ and going after Christ, not denominations, not man's opinions, but Christ in the Word of God. Let's get rooted and grounded in authority and power and love. Let hope, faith, and love 
arise in the church. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that this is your good and pleasing will. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray this over your life and mine. Amen and amen. And thank you for being humble with me and listening. God bless you and keep you in his perfect peace. In Jesus' name, amen.